The Hamlet Podcast, episode 165. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. In the scene so far, Hamlet has been excitedly telling Horatio about how he managed to falsify the documents and change Claudius's instructions. Horatio rightly asks how he can do anything formally without Claudius's seal, and he explains... Why, even in that was heaven ordinant. I had my father's signet in my purse, which was the model of that Danish seal. Folded the writ up in form of the other, subscribed it, gave it the impression, placed it safely, the changeling never known. Now the next day was our sea fight, and what to this was sequent thou knowest already. Again we're hearing these echoes of Hamlet's feeling that things are ordained by heaven, this divinity that shapes our ends. Even in the sealing of these documents, he's saying, heaven was ordinant. Heaven ordained how it would play out. By whatever heavenly chance, he had his father's signet with him. Most likely when you hear the word signet, you'll associate it with a ring, but whether or not it's worn on a finger, what it is, is a small seal, carved uniquely so that it can be impressed into wax and serve as a kind of signature. Hamlet's father was the king before Claudius, and so his signet, or seal, was rather conveniently the model for Claudius's own royal seal. So Hamlet was able to forge a new document and seal it in a way that all but guaranteed its authenticity to any outside eye. He explains how he folded the document, or writ, just as the other had been folded, signed it, sealed it, with the impression of the signet, and put it where the first one had been, and nobody would be any the wiser. Hamlet calls the new letter a changeling. The word usually describes a fairy that is replacing a human child who has been stolen. Here, he's almost being cute about this deception, although, as we've heard, it will have very serious consequences. I had my father's signet in my purse, which was the model of that Danish seal, folded the writ up in form of the other, subscribed it, gave it the impression, placed it safely, the changeling never known. He's now filled in the gaps of Horatio's knowledge, and as he explains, now the next day was our sea fight, and what to this was sequent thou knowest already. The sea fight was the altercation with the pirates that got Hamlet off the ship for England and brought him back to Denmark so they're up to date. Horatio's next line is quite loaded. So Guildenstern and Rosencrantz go to it. Hamlet has not only signed their death warrant, he wrote it himself. And now they are headed for their deaths. They go to it. We don't get much indication as to why they should continue towards England when Hamlet, the main reason for their journey, has been kidnapped. Perhaps they had other obligations. Perhaps the cover for their journey was some secondary diplomatic mission. Perhaps they assume that the pirates will kill Hamlet and, as such, he is no longer their responsibility. But do they even know they are bringing Hamlet to his death in England? These are all questions without concrete answers. It's worth bearing in mind that they haven't ever shown themselves to be the most tactful ambassadors, so perhaps they don't have the top-level clearance and perhaps they don't know everything. But lest we feel too sorry for them, Hamlet has a reminder for us, and for Horatio. Why, man, they did make love to this employment. They are not near my conscience. Their defeat does by their insinuation grow. 
before Horatio or indeed we get too sympathetic, he insists that these two made love to their employment. They were only too happy to be Claudia's henchmen. They are not near Hamlet's conscience. I love the dismissal in this line. There's an Irish turn of phrase that I also love for when someone's on your mind and you maybe owe them a phone call or a visit. We say that person is on my conscience. Here, for Hamlet, these two nitwits are not even near his conscience. Their defeat, his outwitting them, and by extension whatever the future might hold for them, does by their own insinuation grow. They have been insinuating themselves with Claudius, sucking up and doing his bidding, betraying their friend, for their own advancement. They will get only what they deserve. Interestingly here, Hamlet almost foretells what's to come. "'Tis dangerous,' he says, when the baser nature comes between the pass and fell incensed points of mighty opposites. This level of royal snobbery is more worthy of Richard II, I think, than Hamlet. He's suggesting that it's dangerous for ordinary people when they get stuck in the line of fire between, as he puts it, mighty opposites. The imagery is shifting towards fencing. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who are not royal or important, but baser nature have come between the pass and fell incensed points of Hamlet and Claudius. As king and prince make their passes in this battle, as the angry lethal tips of their swords clash, the two baser men have got in the way. And this, Hamlet insists, is dangerous. Even though I can't find any notes about it, or any confirmation that anybody else thinks so, I think there's a possibility for some ambiguity in Horatio's next line. He exclaims, finishing Hamlet's line of verse, Why, what a king is this? Is there any chance he's talking about Hamlet? I don't know. It's a short line and Horatio does have the terribly thankless task of responding to all of Hamlet's lines without getting to say very much of his own accord. Hamlet hasn't really been talking about Claudius here, He's been talking about his father's seal and all the work that went into creating this new document with royal instructions to execute Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Hamlet is not king, at least not yet, although since his announcement that he is Hamlet the Dane and his line about being Claudius's mighty opposite, he does seem to be implying that he's ready now to take his rightful place. He is a mighty opposite indeed, and he's putting himself in the position of being the king, of being greater than these baser natures. Maybe it is just an exclamation that Claudius is a dreadful king from Horatio, but it comes a little out of the blue. Could it be his way of questioning whether it's kingly of Hamlet to behave like this? I don't know. It's a curious little nugget and something for an actor playing Horatio to have a think about. Hamlet himself assumes that Horatio is talking about Claudius. Why, what a king is he? And that's what he's going to talk about next. But we'll have to save all of that for the next episode. By now I'm sure you know the drill. The website will include the text and any extra notes to accompany this episode and all previous ones too. Be sure to come and visit at thehamletpodcast.com. I hope you're doing well, taking care of yourself in this frustrating period we are all living through, and I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>